decision that we Good morning, Burlington Baptist Church and all of our friends that are gathered online to be a part of our service this Sunday morning. We are just so thankful that you joined us today for worship, and we are excited about what the Lord's been doing this week. We're excited because there's a couple of things that are on the horizon for us, and I know that through all this, we're always looking for that next bit of news to excite us, and we are looking right now at May the 24th being our first Sunday of being able to come back and worship together, but it will be on a limited basis, and we will have a sign-up that is going to be uh, required in order for you to have a reservation, basically, to be in the sanctuary on that day. But that is coming, and we just tell you, just go ahead and watch for our updates. We will have those updates posted during the week, and um, they will be also be available following the services. But we are excited and pumped this week because of that. And, of course, today is a wonderful day because it's Mother's Day. No, it's not. Yes, it is. And as we are celebrating on Mother's Day, we are celebrating the simple fact that we have had wonderful women in our lives that have nurtured us and brought us along and brought to this, and it was God's plan. So we are so thankful that those women have spoke to our lives and touched us in a certain way. And today, we also want to remind our mothers that it is a very special gift that we are having our friends at Dreamy Whip, and they're going to be offering you ice cream. And we want to make sure that you guys are a part of that. So make sure you stop by the Dreamy Whip area and let them know you're part of Burlington Baptist Church, and we will have that offered to them. You know, as we gather here in the worship center today and we get ready for worship, there are so many things to be thankful for. And we're entering a season in which we start to see the sun come out, and we start to see things growing, and it gets us excited. But today, we want to channel that excitement and just raise our worship voices together and being thankful to God in everything that we do and say today. So as we get ready for worship today, I just ask that you join with me for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for the beauty of your world. And as we get ready for this worship service this Sunday morning, we know that you are alive and well and you are in control. And as we look to you during this season and we have anticipation of the weeks coming ahead, the things that we're looking forward to as we gather back together, Father, we just ask you to bless those plans that you would do a miracle with this virus and just move it out of our way so it's not something that hinders us anymore. And Father, for the ones that have been suffering through illnesses, the ones that have had loved ones during this period of time, we lift them up to you, Father, and we just ask for your healing and your presence in their lives. Today, Father, as we celebrate the wonderful, wonderful thing that is motherhood, and we thank, we're thankful, Father, for the way that that provision was made for us, we just ask you to bless all the mothers, especially in this time when they've had to reach out and be nurturing to children at home and try to help them understand what's going on. Father, we thank you for that godly wisdom that you provide them. But Father, most of all today, we thank you because of your son, Jesus Christ, who gives us a reason to be here. Father, we ask your blessings on this service. Hear the word that Harold's about to bring and just let that proclaim to our hearts the job and the, the obligation that we have to serve you each day in the way that we can reach those that don't know your son, Jesus Christ. And as the praise team leads us a song, Father, hear our songs coming from our hearts. And just let our spirits just mingle with yours as your Holy Spirit is drawn to this place today. Father, we love you and adore you. And we know that all this is brought about because of your son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross to save all of our lives and offers eternal life. And we are thankful for that today, Father. And we pray it in his most precious name. Amen. Well, happy Sunday and happy Mother's Day to all of you guys out there who are watching. And uh, if you, in the first part of this, we want everybody to pick up your phone and text your mom and tell her how much you love her and that you would love to be with her in church, but you are going to send her a text just in case. We want you to do that as we, as we play and sing. One, two.
can you hear where there's a new song breaking out from the children of freedom every race and every nation sing it out sing a new hallelujah Let us sing love to the nation, bringing hope of the grace that has freed us. Make it known and make it famous. Sing it out, sing a new hallelujah. Yeah. listen to on the radio and just kind of kicking around. So uh, we want you to learn this with us. And uh, it's a really, really good song. and It's really powerful. So we hope that you will praise with us. Yeah. 
This is our time we normally take up our offering, and I just want to just say quickly uh, how appreciative we are of your faithful giving. Uh, first couple weeks of this pandemic, uh, we weren't able to meet, and offerings were down, uh, but after that, you guys picked it up and jumped online and started mailing in your, your giving and, and uh, called us back up, and uh, we've been able to go full steam ahead. Thank you for that. Uh, we're humbled by your faithfulness. 
And uh, I was just thinking, we've had a lot of Zoom meetings with deacons and life group leaders, and we haven't had to have a Zoom meeting with our finance team and say, what do we got to do? And so that, that's because you're all faithful giving. And so thank you for that. Uh, we'd ask you to continue to give online or, or mail those in. Uh, we're appreciative of that. Uh, our pastor care council this week fed the fire department on Friday, and we're just thankful we can go ahead and do our ministries uh, because uh, you all are helping us with the finances. So thank you for that. Let me pray and, and ask the Lord to continue to bless uh, your giving. Father, thank you. Uh, we're humbled by the faithfulness of your people, and uh, we want to continue to be salt and light in our community. And so we thank you for those who give uh, intentionally every week, who mail it in, who get online, who send it in. Help us to be good stewards of it. Uh, help us to see the needs around us and do all we can to meet those needs in the name of Jesus. And we pray that as we minister to others that they'll see Jesus in us and uh, there will be a breakthrough in their life and they'll come to know Jesus personally. And so bless the giving today. We give you all the praise for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the team has been uh, picking some really, really good songs, and Josh is going to sing a little bit of this one, and Lindsay's going to sing a little bit of this one, and Courtney's going to sing some, and I'm just going to try to hold it together till the bridge. So, amazing love that welcomes me. Of mercy, that with blood wholeheartedly, my soul undeserving. Stop! 
put God's so good in the comments and uh, if you need to shout you can do that if you if you need to run around the house and just say God's so good uh, your your neighbors won't know you're Baptist and so that's okay because he is good and I just want to say happy Mother's Day uh, so thankful for the awesome ladies here at Burlington Baptist Church uh, I miss you and I uh, can't wait to see you again soon uh, I was just thinking I can't wait to Try some more of your food. I've about to forgot what it tasted like. And so uh, we're going to be sending out a lot of information in the next couple of weeks uh, as we work towards safely returning to church and, and taking all those necessary precautions. And uh, when I watch the governor and he puts this list of openings, I, I keep looking for uh, potluck on there. Uh, one of these days, I don't know when it'll be, but, but he's just going to open up the potluck and uh, we're going to get together and eat together and celebrate together. And until then... Uh, we'll just have to restrain ourselves. I'm in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning, and we're going to talk about hope for our homes. Hope for our homes on Mother's Day. And uh, Ephesians chapter 6, uh, let's look at verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we, we just want to begin by acknowledging that you are so good, so good to us. And we're so blessed to be called your children. And uh, on this Mother's Day, we just uh, want to say, uh, uh, just we thank you for our mothers. And uh, Lord, I just think about my mom. I haven't seen her for since March, and I, I miss her, but I thank you for her. And as I think about my mom, I realize that some have lost their mothers, and, and some even recently, I pray for them. I, I know that Mother's Day is a tough day for some uh, ladies. They, they desire to be moms and haven't been able to yet. I, I pray your grace and, and uh, encouragement for them. Lord, you know all the other situations. Sometimes we rejoice on Mother's Day, and sometimes there's, there's hurt. And so will you minister to hearts Lord, we pray your spirit today would just teach us some things about uh, our homes, our families. I, uh, I wrestled a little bit about talking about homes during a pandemic, and yet we realized that lots of families are together, and there are struggles in some families. And, and so we pray that you would minister to, to families today, and homes, and marriages, and, and children. And uh, Lord, teach us today from your word. Give us hope. Give hope to those that are really in a mess and struggling. We pray for them particularly. And then, Lord, for anyone who, is, who doesn't know you personally as their Father, and Jesus as their Savior, we pray that this would be the day of their salvation, and we would rejoice in that, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today, if we were to look at homes and families, we would have to admit that many of them are in a real mess and usually the root problem is that we have strayed away from the Word of God. And so this morning we want to look at the Word of God and, the, and just offer some biblical hope for our homes. And I know some of you are thinking that, uh, well, if you just knew my situation, you wouldn't be so positive about the hope. If you had to handle my kids, you wouldn't be so confident. Or if you had to live with my husband, or uh, maybe some kids are saying, if you had parents like mine... 
Uh, but the Bible says there's hope. And, uh, and so if you say there's no hope, then I just want you to know that I'm going to believe the Bible and let every man be a liar because God is truth and He never lies. And He instituted the home and I think He has some instructions for us. And so let's not focus on the despair, but let's look to the Scriptures and find hope. Now, I know we talked about the hope for marriages just a couple of weeks ago, but when we talk about our homes and families, we, we have to begin with the priority of marriage. The hope for our homes and our families begin with our marriage relationships because marriage is foundational. It's the foundation upon which families are built. Now, why is marriage so important? Well, God ordained marriage. He ordained marriage and, and even the family as the basic institution of society. Even, even before he founded the church, he established family. And marriage is not a human invention. It is established by God and it is for our good. And so let me talk about the magnificence of marriage. Uh, if we go back to creation... Everything that God created was good. You remember that? It was good. On the second day, it was good. It was good. It was good. There's this one thing in creation that God mentioned that was not good. In Genesis 2.18, He says, It's not good for a man to be alone. If you're a man and you're alone, you probably agree with that. It's not good for a man to be alone. And so God had a solution for that, for the aloneness of man. In Genesis 2, verse 21, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, At last! Is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And so God made this wonderful creation we call woman. And he brought her to the man. He, he, brought, he made woman to complete the man, to complement the man, to be the, the helpmate for the man. Now, today, I think culture wants to minimize the language of Scripture, but, but the woman was created to be the helpmate to the man. And that, that, not to men, but to her husband when they leave and they cleave and they become one flesh. Now, so I don't have time to cover all the, the purposes that God established in marriage, in the marriage relationship between man and woman, but we know that there's companionship, and there's partnership, and there's procreation, and there's sexual enjoyment, and all kinds of purposes and benefits of marriage. Listen, marriage is magnificent. And so, men, you say, magnificent. Yeah. So, uh, now, I've got to get to this somewhere. The most basic family relationship is not the parent-child relationship, but the husband-wife relationship. That's the way that God ordained it. Now, in families, uh, today it seems like uh, we put a little bit too much emphasis on the parent-child relationship. And uh, listen, in families, it comes a day when the parent the parent-child relationship must change. And, but the, the husband-wife relationship is to remain intact until death. Well, God has joined together. Let no man cast asunder. Let no man separate. So here's the problem we have in our modern society. Uh, the parent-child relationship is often exalted higher than the husband-wife relationship. And I think that's been detrimental to both our children and to parents. God put a husband and wife together there in the garden, not a, a parent and child. And so, listen, the parent-child relationship is important. I, I love my children. That, that relationship is important, but it is never to have priority over my relationship with my wife. One of the most harmful things that parents can do is to build their lives around their children. It, it's wrong for parents. Biblically, I'm talking about what the Bible says. It is wrong for parents to expend all their time and energy and interest upon their children. And you can email me or you can call me and you can try to argue with me, but I can defend what I'm saying on the Word of God. Children most need to see parents who know how to love and live with each other. 
A healthy, loving marriage is the most precious gift that parents can give to their children. You can type amen in your comments. Let me say it again. A healthy, loving marriage is the most precious gift that parents can give their children. Now, where do children learn the most about marriage? At home, watching their parents. And so parents need to invest in, in our, we need to invest in our marriages so that we can teach our children how to have a healthy, solid marriage. And so husbands and wives and mothers and fathers, our children need to see how to live as husband and wife, lovingly concerned for each other. Now let me add a word to, to young people who might be listening If you want the best for your family, if you want the best for yourself, then don't demand too much attention and time and energy from your parents. I know that sounds odd, doesn't it? But they need some of their time and energy and attention to be directed towards each other. There are times when they need to do some things together themselves. They need to strengthen their relationship. Listen, I've often been busy and, and too busy and, and had to confess that a lot. But I've always wanted my son Kyle to leave home prepared to be a God-honoring husband. And he, he just got married in March. And I, I hope that he has learned some things about being a, a God-honoring husband. We have a daughter, Caitlin, and we want her to be prepared to be a godly wife. Listen, you know this if you're a parent. We only have a few years and they go by so fast. We have to model biblical marriage for our kids. So I got this statement on your outline, and I think it's a wall plaque, but here it says, The best way to be a good father to your children is to be a good husband to their mother. The best way to be a good father to your children is to be a good husband to to their mother. And I, I think we could switch that even for our mothers and say the best way to be a good mother to your children is to be a good wife to your to your to your father. Uh, give them an example. So not only the magnificence of marriage, but the magnitude of marriage. Marriage really is a big deal to God. Yeah, He ordained marriage. Uh, Really, I I think if we want to go back to the beginning, the first marriage ceremony was performed in the Garden of Eden, and God officiated it. And the word that God used to describe marriage is covenant. And the word covenant means a solemn promise, an arrangement. Covenant is a binding arrangement between two parties who enter into covenant with each other. In in Proverbs 2.17, God warns uh, against the adulteress. He says, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. And so marriage is a covenant ordained by God. And it was so serious uh, to God that in the book of Malachi, he refused to accept the offerings of his people. And one of the reasons why he refused to accept it is Malachi 2.14, because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth against whom you have dealt treacherously, though she is your wife by covenant. You've broken covenant with your wife. I don't want your offering. That's how serious it was. And so, church, we do not honor God when we treat our marriages so flippantly and when we are so casual about the institution of marriage. Now, just on Friday, there was this article in in Wall Street Journal that really caught my eye. And the title of it was, Marriage Marriage Rate Plunges to Lowest Level on Record. Marriage Rate plunges to lowest level on record. Marriage rate right now is the lowest it's been since the federal government began keeping data in 1867. And there are lots of reasons for it. One of the statements made in the article is that declining religious adherence and growing acceptance of unmarried cohabitation have also played a role. And so I just want to say this. I know it's not popular, but it's a big deal when couples in the church cohabitate and they have sex outside of marriage and they pursue divorce on non-biblical grounds. It's a big deal to God. And so we can expect to have strong families and homes if we continue to treat marriage as we please. And so listen, if your marriage is falling apart, get some help. And I'm not talking about from the lawyer. I'm talking about from the church and from your pastor's. 
Now, let me say more about the priorities of marriage, but we've got to get to parenting because Ephesians chapter 6 talks about children and parents. And so the principles of parenting, uh, Ephesians 6 starts with some instructions to our children, the first three verses, and I'm going to get to those. And then I want to spend some time on verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instructions of the Lord. So what does Paul address the fathers? Uh, you know, mothers usually spend a majority of the time with the children. I, I want to suggest maybe a couple of reasons. It may be that fathers have the particular problem with this issue of provoking our children to wrath. Now, I also think that Paul addresses the fathers. Uh, when he addresses the fathers, I, I think maybe in a sense he's also speaking to the mothers, parents, with the realization that back in, in chapter 5, he specified that the father is to be the spiritual leader of the home. And so we both, mother and father, we have a responsibility to discipline and instruct our children. And so here in Ephesians 6.4, we see the duty of discipline. Bring them up in the discipline and instructions of the Lord. And so what is our responsibilities in regards to discipline our children? Well, first, we're not to provoke our children to anger. So we as fathers and mothers, we're not to provoke our children to anger. The NIV translates that as to exasperate our children. Uh, The parallel is Colossians 3.21 that says that they may not lose heart. Uh, when we provoke or we exasperate our children, we, we take the wind out of them. We take the wind out of their sails, and, and they get this attitude of, why bother? What's the use? Just, just forget it. Uh, many children, I, I think, are exasperated with the discipline of their parents. Uh, but listen, it's, it isn't the discipline that they're exasperated with. Now, what causes our children to be provoked to anger or exasperated? I, I think two things. I think there is underdiscipline, and I think there is overdiscipline. Now, you might be surprised that I mentioned underdiscipline. Uh, I believe that causes more exasperation than overdiscipline. Children want boundaries. They want to know what's expected. They want to know what will bring punishment to them. And so often we give them a moving target. And it frustrates them. And so, for example, if we say, if you do X, you're going to be at spanking. And guess what? Tomorrow they do X and they get no spanking. And Tuesday they do X and they get no spanking. And they do it on Friday and we wear them out. That's not consistent discipline. And, and then sometimes we overpunish. We often overpunish in sinful anger. And, uh, and then we, we feel bad about it. And so then... Because we feel bad about overpunishing, then we let our children get by with something even worse the next day. And so do you think your children get exasperated when, when they think, well, I, I got beat for doing nothing uh, yesterday, but today I got away with murder, and I wasn't even punished. Y- you never know what you're going to get. And so in their minds, they say, well, why bother? Just take your chances and do all that you want to do. Now, why do parents keep moving their boundaries well I was a parent I, I, I hate to answer this question but the reason we move our boundaries is because often we're lazy and discipline takes effort now sometimes I think we have unrealistic expectations uh, we discipline we discipline by the law three or four days and it doesn't seem to affect the action of our kids and we just say forget it So why do we expect uh, our kids to change so quickly? How long does it take for us to establish new patterns uh, for our lives? Anybody been on a diet? (laughs) How many times did you fall off that boat? Huh? The truth is it takes time to discipline a child. And it takes more time for some, but it's our duty. And so, church, we need consistency. Uh, Underdiscipline is uh, discipline with no real limits and moving rules. And young people want to know what the limits are. And most of us as adults, we, we want to know the same. We want to know what the limits are. And so give them some boundaries. Now let me offer some caution in discipline. Uh, we can have too many rules. 
listen, the Lord only gave us Ten Commandments. Uh, in the Garden of Eden, He only gave them one. Don't eat, don't eat of that tree. He only gave them one rule. And of course, they, they broke that. But listen, if a rule isn't worth your energy to discipline for it, then it's probably not necessary to start with. And I think we have to be careful of over-discipline in the sense that we say no to everything. And so I'm maybe talking to myself in this one. Some parents, and I, I battled this when my kids were little, uh, we, we were negative. And we tended to discipline bad behaviors without recognizing good behaviors. And somehow we were able to squeeze no into every conversation with our kids. No, 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 not that. No, no, no. They don't want that. I don't want that. You don't want that. And so notice God's pattern for us. Uh, verse 2, honor your father and mother. That, that's a positive command, isn't it? It doesn't say don't backtalk your father or your mother. No, it's honor your father and mother. And then notice Paul points out that uh, this is the first commandment with a promise. And here's the promise, verse 3, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And you honor your father and mother, and here's the promise, it will go well with you. And so there is a promise, a reward, an encouragement offered by God for obedience. And so I want to say to you, it is okay to reward your children for obedience. Now, behaviorists, those are the, the people who are just worried about the child's behavior, and they're not really concerned about molding their heart. They sometimes use uh, rewards as a means of manipulation. And we've all done that. You know, if, if you're good in Walmart, I'll give you a cookie when you get out. And uh, th that can be manipulation. Christian parents, we want God to do a work in the hearts of our children. We want our children to see that there is reward for obedience. And we want them to see that there's punishment for disobedience. Because that's the way that God teaches us. There is reward for obedience to God's Word. And there is punishment for disobedience. And I believe that rewarding obedience is biblical just as punishing disobedience is biblical. Matter of fact, the use of the, the rod, I, and there might be some kids watching today, and they're like, oh, don't get there, preacher. But listen, the, the use of the rod and the switch is advocated in the Scriptures. We've we got to get there. Proverbs twenty two fifteen. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod drives it far from him. And so a, a biblical perspective of discipline, the rod is the, it, it, is the most merciful Method of disciplining children. Uh, you can send me an email about this one, but God says it. Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod, this is strong. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. My parents did not spare the rod. They loved me a lot. And I hope Danny's loved him a lot. So I'm running out of time. I, I just want to remind us of the duty to discipline. And, and I want to just caution anybody from going home and putting on the uniform and swinging their stick and flaunting your authority. Listen, that, that's not what the Bible is teaching in no way. We are to discipline our children in a manner comparable to the way that our Heavenly Father disciplines us. And so Hebrews 12, let me read this. Verse 9, besides this, we, have an earthly we, have, we had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good. He loves us so much that He disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful, amen, rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So God loves us. He disciplines us. Ephesians 6, 4, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instructions of the Lord. And so the delight of discipling. Uh, let's be reminded of this responsibility, this privilege that God has given us to teach and to discipline, to instruct our children in the way of the Lord. And notice these words here. I instruction 
and uh, the instruction of the Lord. The, the language, uh, discipline and instruction means training with structure. And it ties discipline together with teaching. It's the idea of patience, persistence. It's this consistent effort to train and, and discipline our children just like God does with us. And the desire is to build something in the, in the lives of our children. This word instructions here in verse 4, nutheo literally means to exhort or to counsel. And so teaching and confronting our children with the Word of God and the ways of God and the end desire is not for their behavior to be right. That's nice when it is, but the end desire is, you know, if we were just concerned about behavior, we, we treat our kids like a dog. They're not animals. They're children. But helping a child see that there's a God who created them and, and not just created them, but created them in His image. And He wants the best for them. And He desires to, uh, to, for them to make their choices based on what He says. And when they do, it's for their good. And so it is pointing them to a God who gave Himself for His people that they may have life. It's our privilege as parents to lead our children to repentance uh, when they sin against God and, and lead them to, to have the conviction of sin and, and ultimately to bring them to the Savior. A Savior who ultimately wants to motivate them. And the Savior doesn't want to motivate them by fear of, of the rod, but, but by His love that He demonstrated on the cross when He died on their behalf. And so, may we as, as parents understand the privilege and the delight that God offers us in being able to bring our children to the cross and see them come to know and love. Listen, there's nothing in life, there's not any greater privilege than being able to lead our children to Christ. And, uh, man, that's the best thing in the world. And, uh, listen, we blow it sometimes as parents. I blow it a lot. And uh, it's hard, and we're selfish, and we're lazy, and we're sinners, and God gives grace. And He gives us instructions, and His instructions bring us hope. And so, where do we go from here? Just quickly, the practices for our homes. If you've recognized some failures in your family, uh, why don't you do something about it? The first thing is just acknowledge past failures. James 4, 17, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. To know that we're to, to discipline and instruct our kids and not to do it, it, it's sin. And so let me just encourage you maybe to, to do a little inventory and, and make a list of all the things that uh, you've been doing wrong in your home. Maybe it's uh, speaking harshly, uh, speaking negatively. Maybe it's provoking your children to to anger, maybe it's not helping your wife, or maybe it's not making the, your marriage the problem. Maybe you just realized this morning that you've made your, your children a priority over your spouse. Uh, maybe you've been lazy in your discipline of your children. Maybe you've been lazy in your family devotions and, and leading your family. Do a little inventory and, and be specific. Our, our repentance uh, to, for it to be effective, it, it's got to be specific. And so, uh, and then just apply biblical principles. Uh, Luke 3 8 says, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And so, what does that mean in regards to your family? As we close, uh, uh, if we know there are some things that are wrong, just identify those. And here's what we do we identify them, we confess our sins to God in repentance, we determine that we're going to change according to biblical principles. So after we identify our, our, our shortcomings, uh, then we look to see how God would have us to, uh, to change those things. And, and as we ask Him, we ask Him to help us with His Spirit and with His Word. And, and in humility, here's where it's tough sometimes, in humility, go to your wife or go to your husband or, or go to your children and admit your sins against them. Now, you don't have to admit their shortcomings. We're good at that sometimes. But, but go to them and admit your shortcomings. Seek their forgiveness. And then with the help of God's grace, just begin to practice these biblical principles. And it's not too complicated. It's important. 
And, and li- yeah, it's going to take some work. But listen, know this. God will be honored and, uh, and glorified as you seek His direction for your family. I, I want you to know this morning, there is hope. There is hope for your family. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for the hope that You provide us in Your Word. Your Word is living and active. And sometimes we feel like that... Uh, now, there's no hope. There's no hope for my marriage or there's no hope for my, my family or my child. Lord, thank you this morning that you give us instructions. Thank you, Lord, for the example that you give us in the way that you deal with us. And you, you lovingly discipline us when we need it. And uh, you have shown us the greatest picture of love when you gave yourself on the cross. And so encourage some this morning, and, and uh, we pray this morning that uh, if there's some who've never come to you in faith, we pray that today would be the time where they confess their sins, turn from their sins, and believe upon Jesus and are saved. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, now, as we prepare for this time of commitment, uh, maybe, maybe you're listening and And what you need to do is maybe just gather your family together and just pray. God, help us. God, help help me and my wife in our marriage or or help us in our parenting or or just, God, just help us. God, show us what you want us to do. And and maybe you're listening this morning and you need to have a relationship with with our Heavenly Father who loves you and and gave His Son to die for your sins. And listen, if you send us a, a message or or email me at hbest at burlingtonbaptist.org. I, I'd love to contact you and, and talk about a relationship with Christ. Listen, God invites you to turn and believe upon Christ. And before we got started, Lindsay said, it's time for some of you to get off the fence. And uh, right now, God's inviting you to get off the fence and come and follow Him. And we want to help you follow Jesus this morning. So you let us know how we can help you.
for being with us this week. Uh, just a couple of things that we want to tell you. Uh, like we always say every single week, and we don't want to forget it, the Dollar Club is still going strong. So uh, please give to that if you feel led. And uh, make sure to send your, your, your questions to uh, us so that we can get them on the podcast. I think we're going to have a couple special guests this week. We might have some of the praise team come sit with us and ask some questions. All of us who are married or are getting married, uh, would have some questions, and uh, we just, uh, Harold's been doing such a wonderful job that you guys haven't sent many questions, and either that, like I said, or they're chicken, but, uh, but we hope that you're enjoying it, and we hope that you're enjoying our Studio 3 broadcast and all the things that we're putting out. Uh, we just hope that somebody is getting something, and we want you to tell your friends, so like and share the services, and other than that, let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity, again, to just come sing, and, and for the mothers, Lord, that we have in our lives, and, and we just thank you so much, and, and for those ladies who just treat us like their own, Lord, we just thank you for them, and, and um, thank you for godly women. And, uh, and being in our church and in our lives. Lord, we just uh, thank you for your son, Jesus, and uh, the things that he does for us. Lord, and thank you for just continuing to just grow our church, um, even during this crisis. Lord, we know that you can do all things and use it for good, and, and we see you doing that. Lord, we're just thankful for that. Uh, just continue to be with us through the week and, um, and just continue to bless us. In his name we pray. Amen. One, two, three.